0: Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it is our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. What's up, SYA? It's Caleb Walden here. And today, the text we're going to look at is... Packed with goodness and a lot for us to think about, but because it's so loaded with information, here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to go through Romans 12, 9 to 21 verse by verse and just kind of nerd out a little bit. Um, I'm going to go into a lot of the Greek words and just explain each verse in a little more scholarly way than usual. It's it's not going to be um, as much preaching for the first 20 minutes as, as it'll probably be more of a Bible study with a little bit of application. And if you want to listen to that, I think it'll be good. I think it will be worth it. Um, but I encourage you to get your Bible out as we do that. Maybe a pen also just to to follow along verse by verse and make notes. But also if you don't want to spend the time to nerd out it'll be about only about 20 minutes but if you don't want to do that I still encourage you to skip to probably the last five minutes of the sermon Um, I'll I'll kind of make a note and say hey here's where you should uh, stop or stop and listen if you're coming in at the end but it's just a little devo on like two points of how to get application for your life in a text that's full of so much Um, and I would encourage you if you skip to the end read the text for yourself um, and, and then go ahead and think through those two points I'm going to give you, but I encourage you to stick with it through the whole thing. Cause I think you'll, you'll find some cool stuff through these uh, words and study, but we've been in a series called life with a view. And it's this idea of living in view of God's mercy towards us. And what that means is basically saying, God, I see that your mercy and grace towards me. You, you showed that in giving your life for me. And since you gave your life to save me, to forgive me, to set me free so my future can look different from my past, God, because you did that for me, I give all of myself to you. Yeah, it's not much, God, but I give all of my life to you. That's that's what living in view of God's mercy is. It's giving your life to him. And uh, by doing that, by giving your life to God and sacrificing your life, you actually find the life that everybody's looking for. That's kind of where this life with a view comes in. You know, we imagine the life that everybody wants is a, a beautiful house with a view. And life with a view, the life you're looking for is actually found by giving yourself to God. So we went through the past couple of weeks. We started off by saying you should give your body to God. Romans 12.1, you should give your thoughts and your mind to God. Romans twelve two, you should give your gifts to God, which is Romans twelve verses three through eight. And lastly, we're going to talk about how we should uh, give our our love to God, but also give our love to God's people. So the main focus of today is genuinely loving the world genuinely loving the world. That's what Romans 12, 9 through 21 is all about. Genuine love. So if you want a title for this text, you can maybe write it in your Bible right above these verses. Um, I would call it Marks of Genuine Love. My Bible calls it Marks of a True Christian, but I like Marks of Genuine Love, I think is a better explanation for it. Wow, look at how prideful I am telling the These nice people who wrote my ESV Bible, what a better title is. But Marks of Genuine Love. And I get this from verse 9 because it says, Let your love be genuine. And this word genuine here or sincere in some of your translations, the the Greek word anypokritos, which literally means without hypocrisy and a hypocrite as many of you know in these times was a play actor so they pretended to be a person that they they weren't and paul is saying let your love be real not fake don't just pretend to love people actually love them and i think the reason paul hits so hard on loving genuinely and then goes to this huge explanation of what genuine love looks like is because jesus says in john 13 35 by this all people Will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying people won't know you're a Christian because you talk about it, because it's it's in some bio, because you post about reading your Bible, because you say you're praying for them. No, people will know you are God's disciples because of the way you genuinely and radically love people. We are called to love people in such an amazing self-sacrificial way that it's different from everybody else. But this genuine love is much easier to talk about than it is to actually do. So Paul goes on through the rest of this chapter just describing what genuine love actually looks like. And I want you, as we go through this, kind of ask yourself, um, is the date- Is the person that I'm dating, like? are they like this? Do they genuinely love? I also think you should ask yourself, is the love that I give genuine or do I love just enough to look like I'm a loving person, but not really in a self-sacrificial way? And and ask yourself like, man, in in all my relationships with my girlfriend, with my family, with my boyfriend, with my friends, am I genuinely dying to myself and loving others? So ask yourself that question as we answer this question. What is genuine love? Let's read. The rest of verse nine and on to find the answer. So verse nine, it says, let your love be genuine, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So here's my first point of eight. I will move fast. I promise. Number one, genuine love holds tight to good. Paul says it ab- abhors evil, it hates evil, but it holds tight to what is good. And the Greek word for holding here is kaleo. And it's the same kind of word you would use to describe glue or bonding something permanently together. So he's saying you should bond yourself to good. You should glue yourself to good. And if you've ever played tug of war, that that's kind of the image I get here of, you know, when you're pulling, you're tired, your hands are burning and they're bloody, but something in you just goes, I'm not going to lose this game. And you grit your teeth, you push your feet into the ground and you pull and you squeeze, even though it hurts. I think that's what Paul is saying. He is saying you cling to good. You courageously cling to good, even when it's not comfortable. Even when good is less fun hold tight to it even when good means denying yourself and denying yourself pleasure in the moment hold to good anyways genuine love clings to good genuine love will cling to a cross if it means loving others well genuine love clings to good that's the first point i see number two let's look at verse 10 it says love one another with brotherly affection Outdo one another in showing honor. So the second mark of genuine love is, I've put it like this family love for all. Second mark of genuine love is family love for all. Paul uses two Greek words here that were used to describe family relationships. One is philostrogos, which is describing the natural affection of family, specifically a parent's natural love for a kid. Like a parent has a kid, they just love it. Philostrogos. The other one is Philadelphia, which many of you know it means brotherly love. But both words are used to describe blood relationships. But Paul steals them and he says, no, these now describe also Christian community. We are supposed to love the family of God as if they are our blood. Because they are. God has adopted us into his family. And Jesus unites all nations, tribes, cultures, and skin colors into one big family. All of those things, they yeah, they still mean something. They define some part of us. But before we are anything, before we are black, white, Asian, Latino, American, British, Democrat, Republican, vegan, whatever you define yourself as, before you are any of those things, you are first and foremost a child of God. And that means that you also have brothers and sisters in Christ that are family. And the beauty of family love is that you don't earn it. You don't have to be pretty enough to get it. You don't have to be attractive enough. You don't have to be charismatic or full of personality. You just get love because you're family. And that means for you to genuinely love others, you can't look at what they can give you. You just accept them. Faults, weirdness, and all. Some of you should understand that well because you've got some weird family members, but you just love them, right? Because that's what we do. And that's the second mark of genuine love. It's family love for all. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. The third mark of genuine love is a fire to serve God's kingdom. Fire to serve God's kingdom. Paul says, be passionate and focus it all on serving God. So genuine love, I think, serves at the church for sure. I know that's complicated right now, but genuine love looks for ways to serve at the church. Genuine love looks for ways to serve others and serve God in whatever way is possible. So is that you? Do you give up your time to serve God and serve the church? Or that guy you like, that girl you like, do they have a history of serving the church? Because that is a mark of genuine love, passion to serve God's kingdom. Number four, the fourth mark of genuine love. Genuine love patiently stays the course. It patiently stays the course or it patiently sticks with it. Verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. So genuine love doesn't just dip out when things get hard. It it sticks with it. Genuine love holds on to people through trials, and it prays for them, and it is patient with them. Genuine love doesn't just stick around when it's convenient, but it sticks around all the time. And I do feel the need to note that this is talking about Christian friendships and family, first of all, um, and, and marriage, maybe dating relationships. Um, my, my fear, the reason I'm saying this is because my fear is that someone hears this and is like, oh, I guess I just got to like stick with my boyfriend or stick with my girlfriend no matter what. And it's, it's kind of like, no, no, not really. Like if your girlfriend or boyfriend just kind of sucks and is not a great person. Obviously, we want to love them with the love of Christ, but, but that doesn't mean stick with them and get yourself into a, a horrible relationship and marriage one day. So I feel the need to note that maybe this replies to date applies to dating in some way, um, depending on what the, the mistakes are. But most of the time, I would say this is just speaking towards friendships, family and marriage. But in friendships, family and marriage, genuine love stays the course, the, the course and it sticks with people. So now let's read verse 13. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. The fifth mark of genuine love is generosity. Genuine love is generous. The generosity of the church in my short life has blown me away. I I can't believe some of the things that I, I have seen. My family was given two free cars in one day. I've seen my parents give away two free cars. My roommate was given two free cars. He also then gave his car away. I've seen hundreds of people's bills paid. I've seen houses remodeled for free. The church at its best is a generous place that supports and loves each other when they are in need. Genuine love is generous to brothers and sisters in Christ. But uh, another interesting thing about this verse is Paul tells us to be generous in sharing with um, our brothers and sisters in need. But also he specifies strangers. The Greek word for hospitality in verse 13 is uh, philozenia. And Philadelphia we talked about earlier is brotherly love. But philoxenia is love for the stranger. And Paul doesn't just say, oh yeah, make sure you love the stranger. He goes further than that. He says, seek to show the strangers love. Look for every opportunity to be hospitable to people that you don't know. So for us, I think this looks like being overly kind to anyone we run into in public. If we can eat at restaurants again, we should tip to the best of our abilities, especially if they know uh, we go to church. If you were reading your Bible in a coffee shop or you brought it with you, tip that that barista well. Uh, this means that if we ever get back to normal and have S.Y.A. again, uh, focus on the new people at S.Y.A. more than our pre-established friend groups. Wear a mask when you go uh, into stores and in public just so that people who are afraid and and, and you're being respectful of them. This means being kind when someone cuts you off on the freeway, especially if you have like a shepherd sticker on the back of your car. But genuine love is generous to those in need. And it is, it seeks hospitality to strangers. Next verse is verse 14, but I'm going to skip that one for now. And I'm actually going to lump that together with verses 17 through 21 later. I think you'll see the connection. Um, but, so go go to verse 15 with me for now. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So the sixth mark of genuine love is it seeks emotional awareness. Genuine love seeks emotional awareness. That means that if you genuinely love someone, you will try to understand where they're at and their feelings, and you'll try to join them there. If your friend is broken hearted, you should probably cry with them even if your day's been pretty awesome if your parents are celebrating uh, something big a big uh, marriage anniversary a job promotion something even if you've had a, a bad day you got dumped or something i don't know you should still try to celebrate with them uh, but but also i i want to say that this isn't this isn't a way of you know just hiding your feelings because if your parents are good parents even if they got a job promotion and you got dumped they're going to want to uh, come to an understanding of your feelings as well. So, basically, what Paul is telling us to do here is just seek out the emotional, uh, where people are at emotionally, and try to meet them there because genuine love is emotionally available for others. Uh, someone who did this really well recently was uh, I bought a car at the same time that my friend Corey's car was stolen. And I was so excited and he was just so nice uh, to me. And, and so he, he celebrated it with me, even though his car was just on. He was emotionally um, uh, available um, and he, he joined in what I was feeling, even if he wasn't feeling the exact same thing. But genuine love is emotionally available. Now, verse 16, it says live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Genuine love. The seventh mark of genuine love is that you see others equally. You associate with everyone. No one should be above you. No one should be below you. The homeless person that you you glance at deserves to be looked into the eye and they deserve to have a conversation with you and be known. People of different skin colors deserve to be treated as equals because we are all children of God. Nobody is better than another person. We're just God's children and genuine love understands that and sees everyone as equals. And now the last point, number eight, genuine love leaves vengeance to God. Genuine love leaves vengeance to God. Here's verse 14. We skipped it earlier. It says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And then verse 17, if you want to skip down to it, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. You see the connection? It's it's You you should bless them instead rather than repaying evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think Paul is saying here that people will hurt you in life. Worse. People will hurt the ones that you love. And God calls us in our pain and our anger and our hatred to be honest about how we feel. But also to leave the vengeance up to him and to work towards forgiving our enemies and serving them. And it's a crazy idea because some of us would naturally think, but if I don't take revenge, who's going to do something? How will they ever learn? How are they going to change? But the truth is, God set the example. And if God had taken revenge on us when we were his enemies, we would have never learned anything. We would have never been saved. We would have been long gone. But instead of revenge, God gave his son to forgive us. God God took the pain upon himself and extended forgiveness and served us. And his kindness has led us to repentance. So we are called to follow the example of Jesus and love our enemies And leave vengeance to God. The most beautiful example I saw of this was just recently. It was actually after the George Floyd killing. And it was at two protests I was at. I'm speaking of the two protests that I saw. When I was there, in the midst of pain, anger, and injustice, I saw protesters protesting peacefully cheering as people drove by and honked in support i saw people uh, protesting give police water bottles because the police had to stand in the sun all day the same police that they were they were protesting against they were serving i saw one of the protesters yelled profanities at the police and then a group of protesters pushed them back and apologized to the police What I saw was a beautiful picture of returning good for injustice. And injustice happened. And people could have responded with evil. And maybe some of them did. But what I saw was an example of genuine godly love. I saw people leave vengeance to God and serve their enemies. I saw people put good back into the world instead of doubling the evil. Genuine love leaves vengeance to God. And it returns good for evil. So we just finished up going through verse 21. That's, that's all of Romans 12. So right here is where you should skip to. Oh, wow. I'm right at 20 minutes too. That was, that was good timing. So skip to here if you didn't listen to all of the Bible study. And we just dissected a lot. Um, but to, let me recap really quick. I want you to keep this list in your mind. Uh, to recap, genuine love holds tight to good. It loves others like family. It passionately serves God's kingdom, patiently stays the course with people, is generous to family and strangers. It seeks emotional awareness, sees others equally and leaves vengeance to God. And here's the thing. Out of all of those, how how do you know what God is calling you to do? And how do you even remember like any of those? I wrote this sermon and I'm I'm not going to remember all eight of the things that we were called to do. So I want to give you two thoughts on how to find the one or two things out of a text like this, a big text that God is calling you to do. So here's the first thing you should do to find one thing that God is calling you to do. Number one, prayerfully ask God which one you're lacking and what relationship needs it most. Prayerfully ask God which one you're lacking and what relationship needs it most. I would encourage you the way you should do this is read over the verses again yourself. And then just think about your family, your friendships, your dating relationships, and then just say, "God, reveal something to me, reveal something to me," and and then just listen. I I I could take guesses at what it is for you, but I don't know. I'm, I'm more confident that God will tell you what it is than I could guess it in this sermon. I, I I promise you, God can speak to you, God can reveal things to you. So just read through this and and pray and ask God, and then listen. And the way I hear things, if you're similar, is God makes something stick in my head. I don't hear it, but that idea just sticks. And it's the one that keeps coming up. After I read all of it, something will just keep on popping into my head. And sometimes also, I love when when somebody else in my life confirms it just out of nowhere. Like, I feel like I should tell you this. Um, but, but that doesn't always happen. But I, I know that God will make something stick in your head. So just read this. Pray and ask him what it is. And that idea that keeps popping up, wrestle with it. That's what God is calling you to do. And I bet he'll give you a step or two you can take to grow, to genuinely love better. And number two, once God has revealed uh, one or two or however many areas you should work on, here's the second thing you should do. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And I know, isn't this about genuine love, Caleb, like not faking it? Yes, it is. But sometimes the only way to get to genuine love and get to the feelings and make those feelings real is just by doing it. So even if it's hard for you right now and you don't feel like it, I think you can still genuinely love people by just doing it. And I think obedience is based on faith, not feelings anyways. So you can absolutely genuinely love people, even if you don't, Feel like it, and what will happen is if you just do it, your faith and your your feelings—excuse uh, me, your feelings—will follow your actions. If you just do it, whatever God has called you to do, your feelings will follow your actions. I, I heard this story, uh, and I don't even know if it's true, but I heard it, and it's good. And, and it's of this wife and husband, and the husband was kind of a, a lame husband, and he didn't really do much. Um, To contribute to the relationship and the wife went to church the husband didn't and the the wife ended up telling the preacher I think i'm gonna leave my husband i'm gonna divorce him And she gave all her reasons and the pastor went. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, all right Well, if you ever decide you're going to I want you to meet with me first That's what the pastor said and she said, okay Down the road she got to the point where she was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna divorce him But she went and, and met with her pastor first And the pastor said, okay, I want you to try something for me can you do that? And, and she said, yes, I think so. And he said, I want you to, even though your husband's not the greatest and he doesn't serve you very well, I want you to make a list of ways that you can serve him and be just the best wife you know how to be. And I want you to do that list every single day to the best of your ability for a month and just see what happens. And if you still want to divorce him after, do it. And the wife said, oh, okay, I can do that. So she went home, she made a list, and and she wrote down everything she thought she could do. And that next morning, she woke up and she packed her husband a lunch. And in that lunch, she wrote a little love note and just said, I'm thankful for you. And she put that away and she packed it up. And every day, she continued to do things like that. When her husband would get home from work, she would ask about his day. She would cook him a meal. She She would do everything she thought she could do to be the best wife possible. And what's crazy is after just a couple weeks, not even the whole month, she started to fall in love with her husband again. And after a couple weeks, her husband started to realize where he was falling short in the marriage and he started to serve her. And the love of their relationship was reignited. The feelings came back just because the pastor told her to do what she thought a loving wife would do. Their marriage was saved. So I want to encourage you to just do what you think you're supposed to do. Even if you don't feel like it, even if it feels fake, just do it because at some point the feelings will follow the actions. So that's, that's all I have for you all. And I I hope you got something out of this. And I I really, I hope that you, if you haven't yet, just take a second to pray and ask God what specific area you need to work on and whatever he reveals to you. Just do it. Just do it. Even if you don't feel like it, the feelings will follow. And I hope that we're all able to love more genuinely after uh, coming to this understanding of God's word and hearing God's word. Uh, let me say a quick prayer for you and then, and then that'll be it. Uh, God, I pray that you bless everybody who's listening. I pray that you help us to genuinely love others better so that others will see and know that we're disciples of you. And I pray that when they see that, they'll also want to be a part of that love and they start to serve you as well, God. Uh, God, thank you for everything you do for us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at WeRSYA.